Shit Platypus Says, Episode 62. Welcome to another episode of Shit Platypus Says, the commentary on the commentary on the left. My name is Thomas Vlaghi. I'll be your host. This episode is focused on France, where Platypus has recently held some events. The first segment is an interview I did with Platypus members Lucas from Bretagne and Paul from Vienna. Uh, The occasion was the protests in June um, around the police killing of Nael Merzouk, a 17-year-old young man from the suburbs of Paris, Uh, an event which was already at the time quickly fading from the left's short memory span. We sat down uh, to question the cyclical nature of these flare-ups, not only in France, but internationally, uh, to examine the conflict between the French Communist Party and NUPES, the coalition led by Jean-Luc Mélenchon, which appears more and more unstable, and discuss some broader concerns for the left, such as the demands of protest politics, the left's dependence on the state, and calls for censorship on political speech. Perhaps indirectly, these can be used to make sense of the left's response to the two wars in Ukraine and Israel-Palestine today. The second segment consists of two interviews our member Christian did in Paris earlier this month one with a member of La France Insoumise, the largest coalition partner of NUPES, and the other with a member of POID, the Parti Ouvrier Indépendant Démocratique, which is a Trotskyist organization in France. They both look back at the last year of protests and leftist politics in France. If you'd like to get involved, Platypus Paris is holding weekly coffee breaks in the 11th arrondissement, We're also slowly translating some important documents to French, which you can find at platypus1917.org. That's platypus1917.org. Please remember to like and share, comment or ask questions, and recommend the podcast to all your friends. It helps us get the word out. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, my name is Thomas. I'm here with two members of Platypus to discuss uh, the French riots, revolts that have been going on in the past month. Um, Lucas Zaboten and Paul Husson. Uh, welcome, guys. Um, so it seems, you know, a little bit late to deal with these events. Uh, we're recording on the 31st of July and uh, they kicked off over or just over a month ago. Um, but the reason we want to do this is because, you know, potentially in the, the heat of the moment, actually, it's quite difficult to get a sense of 
what's going on, uh, what to think about it. Uh, and maybe now a month later, we have a little bit of distance with which to uh, kind of judge these events or at least what the left had to say about it. So Nael Merza uh, is a 17-year-old um, French boy. He had uh, uh, Moroccan and Algerian descent. And on the 27th of June, he was shot essentially point blank uh, by a police officer at a traffic stop. Shortly thereafter, uh, it turns out that um, the police tried to cover this up. And once that became clear from video evidence that uh, he wasn't aggressive, essentially, um, there have been massive protests um, throughout Paris, but also throughout France, actually, um, in response to this. Um, am I leaving anything out or would you guys characterize this somehow differently? Yeah, maybe uh, I would just add that um, a lot of the revolts or riots were taking place maybe um, specifically in uh, banlieue or uh, poorer neighborhoods um, with a lot of um, migrant communities, basically. Um, that's where like the, the, the centers of these um, revolts were. And I would maybe add to that that, um, well, it's completely clear that those were the centers of the revolt um, for the first time, because these kind of revolts have happened before in France. Uh, for the first time, you also had big revolts in the center of Paris, uh, which is something that has not been seen uh, in combination with these uh, uprisings and revolts before. That's a good point. So it seems to have um, spread to the inner city. And the other point, of course, would be that there are previous, uh, there are echoes of previous events, right? I mean, 2005 is always the like main reference that is taken uh, for these events because it has been, I think, until this year, the biggest revolt that that, that has happened. Um, but you have cases of this already in the 1990s uh, and then also later in the 2010s. Um, that have been different in dimension, but that have occurred in a quite regular rhythm. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth um, mentioning the slightly broader context of uh, mass protests um, against uh, Macron's um, law to, to reform the, the national pension system. Uh, these riots are coming in the wake of uh, yeah, mass resistance uh, to this political project, this, um, this, this law, which came to nothing. Um, so, so the left was, was yeah, in the process of, of, of dealing with the fact that despite um, um, really like mass mobilization across the society um, against Macron and, his, and this policy, um, they were not able to, their, their, their activism was not able to amount to any, any political uh, yeah, um, effects. Okay, so obviously there are international uh, uh, echoes as well, but first let's just talk about the French response to it. So how has the French left been responding um, to these events? Um, well... Let me maybe start with uh, the reaction from the, I would say, biggest um, part of the French political left, at least, uh, the 
the union between the leftist political parties uh, in France known as NUPES, which is uh, basically a, a group of parties ranging from the Green Party in France over the Socialist Party, the Communist Party, um, and La France Insoumise, the populist movement of, of Jean-Luc Mélenchon, um, which has reacted in a uh, split way, um, which was um, interesting, although this has happened before, that there have been disagreements inside this uh, inside this movement. Um, so you basically had, I would say, two main channels of reaction. You had on the one side the more uh, populist side of this of this group uh, around Jean-Luc Mélenchon, uh, which uh, was basically uh, concentrating on the legitim legitimization of the uh, violence of these protests and the general legitimization of how, why these protests take place and trying to explain um, how this has happened, what reasons why this has happened. Um, and then on the other side, you uh, have a contrary response to this by uh, the, especially the head of the French Communist Party, Fabien Roussel, um, who has attacked and condemned Mélenchon very much for his from his perspective, uncritical um, response to this uh, to these protests, um, and who has let uh, who has made a point and a main emphasis on uh, reins reinstalling public security and uh, general peace within France. Yeah, I would add also, I guess, um, some um, other voices on the left. Uh, so, for example, from the end. NPA, the new anti-capitalist party, uh, the Lutte Ouvrière, um, a, a Trotskyist party, uh, they, in a way, uh, resemble, the response resembles that of um, Mélenchon in, in, in the legitimization of the violence and especially at least of the, of the anger. Um, they try to explain that. Um, this society is violent itself, the police are violent and racist. Um, uh, these neighborhoods in Bondi are often uh, dramatically underfunded or have poor uh, infrastructure and social um, programs, and, and so the, the rage is entirely legitimate. And so uh, along with this uh, legitimization is um, an argument that you know this this rage needs to be channeled. This rage needs to be channeled uh, in order to become more explicitly political. And do they have an idea of how to channel this rage? Because um, I mean, one dichotomy I guess here is crime versus law, right? Um, and and the kind of political content of these categories. And it seems that maybe Fab Fabian Roussel of the the Communist Party is saying that um, crime and social destruction uh, doesn't have political content. Um, how do you think the, 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 the opposing side would respond to this? Yeah, I've noticed two responses um, to, to what you're mentioning. Um, one is, uh, will maybe agree with um, Fabien Roussel uh, in the sense that uh, there is no political content explicitly in the in the violence in the in the revolts, but that there are political reasons, um, there are political explanations, and therefore um, potential political solutions 
or ways of addressing this. So that means, uh, for example, massive investment in these neighborhoods, uh, police reform uh, are, are common proposals. Um, and then the other uh, response would be to see, uh, as Mélenchon sometimes does, uh, see these revolts as almost almost like a, a, a class revolt, um, mm. intentionally, intentionally so. Um, there are also a lot of uh, voices um, that I've come across more on the anarchist or like libertarian communist uh, uh, end of things who who see the the riots as beautiful in and of themselves, as ends in themselves. For them, there is any attempt to re to recuperate uh, this this rage uh, risks simply reproducing uh, structures of of, of uh, power, hierarchy, violence, and therefore the riots in themselves should be uh, celebrated as they are. Right. Yes, and maybe adding to this, maybe one of the uh, big challenges also for the like Mélenchon side in this, or the the side that is taking part, or at least uh, sympathizing with these protests, is that this is a movement uh, which is mainly taken out by people who have not in any sense been politicized or politically organized in any way. I mean, these are quite spontaneous outbursts of, of um, yeah, violence. Um, and um, it seems in these processes of legitimization that uh, Mélenchon is going through that they don't really know what the left's place in, 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 in all of this is, where the left should, should stand around this and, and that they do not really have an answer on how to actually channel these, these, these things. I mean, on that note, it does seem quite um, similar to the Black Lives Matter protests that, um, yeah, for years have, have, have erupted in the U.S. Um, in the same sense of it being quite spontaneous, um, I think there's a tendency for leftist groups to somehow take credit for them or somehow um, give some sort of pseudo leadership in the sense that they, they, they project things onto it. Um, but it's very hard to tell, actually, where these leaders come from, what is the spontaneity, um, what, what it can lead to. Uh, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's the added issue of integration into French society, um, which, which looks very different in, in Europe and in, and in France particularly than, um, than blacks in the U.S., Uh, that there is a divide between um, metropolitan Paris and the banlieue. Um, it, 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 is, there, is there a political solution to this? Or uh, do you think the, obviously, of course, what the Communist Party could be accused of at this point is um, just supporting the police, supporting the French state. Um, what's, the, what's the impasse here? So I guess uh, Fabien Roussel of the French Communist Party um, does have a sort of uh, a bit of a, a law and order type of discourse um, with regards to these uh, revolts, but his uh, his solution, I guess, is um, well, or at least his political crit critique is, is is focused on the massive unemployment. Um, 
rates in these in some of these areas. So, for example, um, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll mention like a you know forty close to fifty percent unemployment um, in some of these areas, and so he sees solutions as policies targeted towards um, work, towards um, reducing these unemployment rates, um, and and then uh, other questions of yeah, I guess integration. Uh, of these marginalized um, places and communities uh, through uh, public transportation and better investments in, in like medical infrastructure, for example, in schools. The, the racial or ethnic question comes up less in, in Fabien Roussel's um, approach, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I think Fabien Roussel's stand on this uh, makes, from his perspective, totally sense when you see the tradition where he comes from, basically. I mean, he comes from this part of the French Communist Party who heavily rely on the, basically, program that was created in the... Uh, in and later after the French Resistance, uh, which was a program deeply organized around a kind of state capitalism where um, big industries would be nationalized, where you would have a strong state um, and where you have an emphasis on, 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 on all these security questions. Um, concerning these, these questions of integration, um, that was what was... Um, I found this time a little different than in the last um, than in the last instances that uh, that these kinds of riots had happened, is that I felt like the discussion was this time not at all running around integration inside the left. At least I feel like I think it was more occupied with uh, with different positions and splits that it had inside of itself. Could you say more about that? What do you mean uh, positions and splits? So around what? So this fight that I talked about earlier between Mélenchon and Roussel, basically, um, where you where you would have Roussel basically as the troublemaker inside of the inside of the left that has appeared many times um, um, in within the past and who has always kind of taken the the opposition to to the to the uh, to the main consensus of of, of Nupes and. Uh, in this, you uh, you basically have a high concentration of opinions that just concentrate on uh, that basically only talk about uh, or analyze his positions um, and what, what what he's saying about about certain things uh, rather than talking about a uh, general position of where the left should be in this. I mean, even based on what you guys are saying, um, there there is a repetition here, right? So. Uh, after the, the 2005 events, there was um, an effort made to increase employment in the banlieues um, by this uh, CPE, so First Employment con Contract or Contrat Premier Embauche, right? That um, essentially made it easier to fire uh, people that were recently hired or under 26 um, in order to stimulate hiring uh, of, of these uh of the banlieue population, especially the young people, right? Um, and this was met with widespread resistance and eventually repealed. Um, has there been further economic responses to the situation in these banlieues? Or, or is this another one of these kind of, um, yeah, political blocks that, that, that can't seem to get resolved and therefore um, becomes either about the infighting of the left or 
maybe about uh, uh, the issue of immigration or sort of these 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 secondary, more cultural uh, sort of facets of the conversation. I don't know if I have a good answer to that, but um, this all just made me think to, to address what you just said and also to go back a bit to issues of uh, um, uh, integration, immigration, etc. Um, the the people who are focusing on on questions of of integration and immigration are are really the the right um, and the far right uh, at the moment. It, it seems like. Uh, definitely the voices on the left are, are um, talking about uh, racism within the police, for example, and, uh, and the, um, the disproportionate um, effects of um, economic policies, for example, or of, of precarity on, um, on immigrant populations. Um, but, uh, but in general, as in terms of... Uh, Responses to uh, these political questions of the banlieue. I think maybe the left uh, has focused more on um, yeah on, on economic on on economic solutions. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah maybe maybe uh, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong on that. But mm. okay, uh, if the left is focused on economic. Um solutions to this what does that mean because we we said first that there seems to be this you know support for the state versus uh anti-state perspective that plays out with um Mélenchon versus Roussel and also the Trotskyist other positioning here um but is there any sort of uh, uh left solution that wouldn't attempt to go through the state I know that a lot of the, the buildings that were set on fire were, were symbols of the state, right? But that includes schools, libraries, um, things that would also seem to fall within the public good. So it does become this vexed question of how do people make use of this, how to defend these things, how to find a solution out of this. Are there any, any efforts by the French left to, to kind of deal with this in a, in a you know, practical way? that's unrelated to the state? Mm, I don't think so. Or at least I don't know of any uh, movement that is relevant that is trying to do this. I mean, about Roussel, I think we talked extensively and his position towards the state. Uh, and with Mélenchon, it is quite the same in his relation to the state, although he sometimes phrases it differently. Uh, but, um, for example, in, in economic-wise, uh, he has always advised for these uh, the state as the uh, last employer basically for the unemployed people that is i think one of the one of the main economic policies that he has always always stood for so um from this political side um there is no perspective going outside of the state no maybe to to return to um some some perspectives that i came across uh um, from more uh, yeah anarchist positions, um, clearly uh, there are no solutions per se um, that go beyond the state. But the, the what what comes out a lot in, in some articles that I've read, for example, and I'm thinking in particular of uh, a few on published on uh, Lundi Matin, which is uh, which publishes um, 
yeah, some libertarian communists and um, anarchist voices is a uh, uh, is that the state, society, modernity, these are all um, uh, inherently uh, fraught, uh, racist, exploitative, um, and must be and must be destroyed. Um, any effort to think beyond them uh, is futile. It's, there's a championing of, of the negative, of the, of the destruction, and maybe some kind of faith that when modernity and society have been destroyed, uh, <laughs> something better might emerge. Uh, so there's, a, there's an incredibly nihilistic kind of, um, and I think not negligible um, tendency in, in the French far left uh, along these lines. The, the deeper history is is the question here. Um, I'm just trying to think with parallels to the Black Lives Matter movement um, that, that, for example, the 1619 Project, there, there's, there's an attempt to um, write racism into the kind of DNA of America or something like this. Now, again, this looks different in France. Um, I think, uh, obviously, a lot of it has to do with um, colonialization, uh, decolonialization, this sort of stuff. Um, the other thing I thought of in terms of the history was, of course, the banlieue themselves were, to some extent, a, a modernist uh, project to to build up sort of self-sufficient um, communities uh, outside of the city that would be... Um, yeah, they had a sort of utopic element. Now, at the same time, I, my understanding is that they weren't necessarily uh, socialist enterprises, or to the extent that they were, they were much more about subordination to the state or sort of state action. Um, but this seems to have all been forgotten, right? So the, the idea that the banlieue represented something in social progress, is, is there any memory of this left? I mean, uh, in the beginning, maybe there was an uh, idea of this as a modernist perspective for social progress, but um, with the result that came up in the end, I think this has, uh, yes, absolutely, completely been forgotten, um, or it is more described today as a uh, naive utopian thinking at the time that uh, people had in the 60s and 70s. It's funny, it seems I, I, I'm having a hard time sort of uh, um, wrapping my head around this because when I was uh, in Paris, it was much more about uh, identity issues, it was much more about gay rights, this sort of stuff. The discourse around Islamophobia and integration was much more in the air. There were the, the debates around um, whether Muslims are able to wear the headscarf, for example, as, as teachers or in government schools. Um, and it seems like this has uh, shifted somewhat. Um, at the same time, I'm struggling to understand, is there an American influence here? Um, or let's say Anglo-Saxon influence? There's also the, the, the riots in London that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, also to do uh, uh, with kind of racial animus and integration and this sort of questions. Um, or is it really become something much more internal to French politics? And does it have more to do with Nupes and sort of the difficult situation that the French left finds itself in? 
that there's kind of disorientation. I think this, uh, I mean, basically, I feel like in 2015-16, you, uh, in, in the debates, you had a huge American influence uh, on, uh, on many debates that then grew until, yeah, basically the end of the 2010s. But uh, yes, I think with NUPES, but also uh, with the uh, general atmosphere in the French society changing through uh, now one and a half terms of Macron being president, which was, I would say, indeed a, a, a shift in the general uh, understanding and atmosphere of the French society. Uh, these things kind of um, were got into more internalized French debates and not, uh, not uh, with that much of an Anglo-Saxon influence. Could you just quickly say um, what the the two terms of Macron now, um, what kind of changes it produced on the left? I mean, on the left specifically, maybe it's, you could see that um, Macron gave Mélenchon an opportunity to play out his populist cards uh, very well. But in general, I would say um, what these two terms have done, um, and I don't have an explanation exactly on all the details why this has happened, is that um, we are now living in the fourth or fifth consecutive year of very heated protests within the French society, a, a very heated atmosphere, which has of course existed in the decades before for times, but which is I think at a peak now. Um, but to explain why this, all of this is happening, I think that would uh, yeah, take another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the question of U.S. influence does come up, um, I think, and again, though, it's, uh, it's more in the, from, the, from the right and the far right. So when you have, um, when the left um, speaks out against um, structural racism, for example, um, you, it's, it's not uncommon to hear voices on the right and, and the far right uh, pointing to... Uh, the Americanization of politics or of the of the French left, and um, this maybe parallels um, uh, a tendency um, to or this this issue um, in in the French left of being inside or outside of what's called the Republican arc. So in, in acceptable politics. Uh, um, if, uh, if the police is criticized for being unjust or racist or violent, sometimes these kinds of remarks on the left um, are, are criticized by um, Macron's government or voices further to the right as being um, anti-Republican um, and therefore being outside of the realm of, of acceptable discourse, acceptable politics. And maybe this also, yeah, maps in an interesting way onto um, the this question of, of American influence um, in French politics, in the French left. I mean, speaking of acceptable discourse, there's also the calls to, for example, censor social media. And that seems to be somewhere where the Americans right. are actually taking their cues from the French. Um, could you guys, yeah, speak, speak about what happened or what were the proposals made? To, to censor, yeah, essentially speech. I think the initial proposal came by the Macron administration, if I am uh, if I'm right, 
Um, and inside of the policies of the Macron administration, this is not really a surprise. This is uh, these are tools of his politics that he that, that, that he likes to use. Um, but what was then a little surprising for me was, uh, and now again we come to Fabien Roussel, uh, getting in on this and um, maybe not like openly um, advising social media to be shut down, but at least uh, yeah, talking in uh, talk shows or whatever uh, for it and arguing. And has this it. happened? Meaning, did it um, did it end up getting through? No, um, or at least I have not seen any uh, any shutdowns of social media in France. Um, I mean, I, I I don't even know what the feasibility of this of this idea is like in this spontaneous moment, or if this would be something that they that would need longer preparation. But uh, as I've seen it, no, this has not happened. Maybe what what has happened is um, some extra uh, surveillance and policing of of discourse on social media. And so there are some, not a few stories of, of people having posted about, uh, on social media, about riots or, or about their participation or making whatever potentially violent uh, references in, on their social media accounts and being uh, uh, stopped by the police. There has been extra surveillance and policing of people based on what they published on social media. So I guess the question is, has anything happened? Um, because it, it, it seems like another one of these stories uh, on the left, right, where we, we there's, a, there's a period of intense upturn, um, there's activism, there's words being thrown around, et cetera, et cetera. And yet a month later, uh, it seems remarkable that in a way, there there haven't been any major legislative solutions proposed to this. Um, maybe in a sense, there also haven't been um, huge repressive uh, uh, sort of pushes because in a way it's kind of uh, petered out on its own. Um, there certainly haven't been um, huge you know theoretical efforts to 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 give a new sort of understanding to to this phenomenon. In fact, it seems to be, um, a repeat of 95, as Paul, you, you mentioned, um, meaning what, what, what comes out of this then? I mean, there's a general pattern uh, also in the riots before that usually these things get forgotten after they have happened. Um, I, I, of course, in the background, sometimes on the long term, there are changes in policies. Um, but usually these are events that leave as spontaneous as they come. And I, um, this instance now in 23 especially was one of the like shortest uh, riot that you have ever had, even if its intensity, intensity was extremely high. Uh, but with uh, comparing to the events 2005 that were going on for three weeks, here we had four or five days of rioting and... Um, and then it was over. Um, and in the aftermath, there was discussions a little bit around this. Now, in the last week, uh, a discussion came up about um, a, a young man from Marseille uh, going public because he was shot with one of these um, rubber bullets uh, during the protests um, and uh, uh, supposedly heavily attacked by police. 
But outside of that, um, I think these things usually tend to disappear. Yeah, I would add maybe that one lasting um, effect of, of all of this might be a yeah, pretty serious blow to the to Nubes, to this um, uh, coalition of, of parties on the left. Because it seems to have um, created a pretty important division, like uh, Paul already mentioned, between the, the Communist Party and the rest, or potentially the Communist Party, the Socialists as well, and um, uh, La France Insoumise, Mélenchon's party. Um, yeah, it's important, I guess, to, to note that the there's a, a particular law um, that's gotten a lot of attention in, in the wake of this of these events, uh, which has to do with um, the which was proposed and, and passed by the socialists, um, I believe in 2017, and this allowed for greater. It made it easier for police to be able to um, sh uh, fire their weapons um, mm. in the case of uh, refusal to comply, uh, and so this law, in theory, is what in part motivated or um, may have been in the background um, in this uh, this police killing and has also um, yeah, provoked an upsurge, a pretty significant upsurge in, in police killings uh, since it was passed. So it was the Socialist Party who passed this and they're now uh, reckoning with, with this history. Um, so yeah, there's maybe a a, a schism in this in this uh, coalition that uh, may may end up being significant um, in the coming weeks months. Maybe a long term um, effect of these riots that have happened throughout the last thirty years um, is um, an effect that is then going to the whole of Europe. Uh, in the sense that the the French police has kind of always been a test laboratory for for european police to test new kinds of weapons new kinds of equipment etc um, and i think this is of course with these very intense riots now uh, going to continue um, in the sense that when there's new weapons uh, installed within european police institutions the path is usually that they first tried in france then the other police forces from other countries of western europe look at if this works out or not, and then maybe implement this into their into their police. Forces. Fair enough. So we might see some further militarization actually as a consequence of this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the split, um, we'll see how this this actually plays out on the left. But I did want to um, maybe pose the 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 question I'd, I had before in a more polemical or more sort of incendiary fashion. Um, for example, if if violence or riots or this sort of stuff, if we if we do characterize these as apolitical, then um, does the state have a responsibility uh, to restore public order and to protect uh, public buildings, um, et cetera, et cetera? Of course, this came up uh, certainly in in my experience in the U.S. during Black Lives Matter. Um, but for example, couldn't we put it that Fabien Roussel is right? Um, meaning, is this going to actually cause uh, people on the left to doubt uh, what they believed? To put it in a different way, of course, shouldn't individuals be protected um, against 
groups, meaning in this case maybe uh, rioters or mobs or this sort of stuff. Um, what's the role of civil rights uh, and how does the left respond to this? Yeah, so one way that's been addressed um, on the left, I'm thinking in particular about uh, Mélenchon is uh, Right. So, so uh, in, while the while the the riots were um, were ongoing, um, media, uh, TV platforms, for example, were often calling on politicians, left wing politicians, to to call for uh, for calm. Um, and uh, Mélenchon would resisted this and and his his response was to uh just suggest that yes uh this violence is bad this destruction is bad um uh but we should not present a moral solution a moral criticism instead we should develop a, a, a political uh, response and so uh calm is not something that is uh called for in the moment but it's something that is built in the long term so this is kind of um, one typical way that this question is is addressed uh, is is to is to acknowledge that yes, uh, people should not have to uh, have to uh, deal with such um, violence, such riots. But there's a reason for them, and so there you know there need to be um, uh, political solutions uh, to get at the, the roots, the reasons for. Um, for them. Yeah, Roussel, Fabien Roussel uh, acknowledges that as well, but does also say at the same time, right now we need, uh, uh, you know, more police. Uh, we need to, like, uh, denounce the riots, um, not express any solidarity with them. Um, at the same time that he says that, you know, it's perfectly understandable, maybe. It's unacceptable, but understandable. Mm -hmm. Wow. We seem to have the contradiction of liberal rights <laughs> on either side. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add? Or, or is there a um, kind of left perspective that didn't get brought up? The failure of, these, of this pension protest wave um, Kind of created this sense that the the government is uh, um, almost uh, authoritarian, you know, definitely anti-democratic. Um, does not react to um, to the popular will, um, and um, and maybe these this police killing. Um, is a is a is an aggravation of that sense that the police is against the people. Um, uh, so the, the the police killing and then the the heavy police repression of of um, uh, events in the wake of the of the killing. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Thank you, guys. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you.
Are you associated with groups on the left? I'm associated with La France Insoumise, which is the leading left French formation. And within that, the gauche éco-socialiste, so eco-socialist left movement, which is one movement within that broader party of LFI. And what do you generally think of the movement and protests around pension reform and around police brutality? All right, so I'll start with the pension reform part. Um, I think that kind of happened in two times. Uh, so the first movement was a movement of like kind of joy, exhilaration, and excitement. Um, beginning of the pensions reforms protests. Wait, what date? Like what month? Oh, uh, like a year ago, okay. maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. December last year, something like that. Um, and so like cool excitement kind of generating around different strata of society, different people being interested in this, um, and not just kind of like your typical militant groups, right, going to organize and going to protest. It's like people who hadn't gone protesting went for the first time. People who'd gone once started going regularly, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So you get that movement. That's really exciting. You get um, unions, you get political parties, You get the civil society who are organizing, rallying around this, talking to each other. Um, that's really exciting. And that hadn't happened in a while on any big social issue. You get that on societal issues like climate justice, climate change, etc. But not so much on like a concrete advancement of day today's workers' rights. So really cool to have that emerge. Um, but then you get to a point, right, like kind of towards the end of the protests, after all that excitement has gone by where, well, you've been protesting for, you know, six months, seven months, eight months, um, and nothing is moving. And protests are dwindling down because people aren't really seeing the ends to what they're doing. Um, And so there's kind of a realization of like, oh, what did we get from this, right? What, do we, what are we getting from this? And the answer is, in very pragmatic legal orientation terms, et cetera, nothing. We got nothing from this. Um, and there's people who are going to argue, no, we showed that the social movement could still be alive. We showed unity. We showed, no, no. Great. But this is where I link back to the police brutality thing, um, where, okay, we showed that people could organize, but... People actually went in there also for the first time, got beat down on for the first time, got gassed for the first time, pretty massively, pretty arbitrarily. Um, and so I don't know that there was any very long-term kind of dynamic that emerges from this, uh, because I think the truth is also people are kind of scared to go protesting now. Um, yeah. Do you think it's over? Do you think it's over? I hope not. <laughs> uh, I think that particular social movement is over, yes. Uh, I think it's going to pop out in one way or another. And, and, you know, we had, it's like, all of this is one continuity, right? There's like the, all the climate movements, maybe like three, four years ago before COVID. Then you get the Yellow Vest movement, like much more 
disorganized from a perspective of like it emerged spontaneously. You get organization happening on the field, but it's not directed. Uh, there's no leaders. There's no, you know, so you get that. But it's also an expression of that same kind of mécontentement, um, so the like a dissatisfaction with the, the status quo. And then you get like COVID and you get those protests happening during COVID, kind of like little things here and there, like a big conspiracy movement also that emerges in France, right? Like anti-vax is huge in France, in fact. It's like probably the biggest in any like uh, Western countries. So you get like a huge anti-vax movement. And then now you get this movement. And it's like, I think they're all expressing something around the dysfunction with the current state of society. So is it over? Like, no. But is this specific protest and form of it over? Yes. And I guess it's kind of worrisome, maybe, thinking about what comes next. Um, the pension reform protests uh, seem to be pretty anti-Macron and anti-Elisabeth Borne, the prime minister. The riots uh, in response to police brutality seem to be Again, in a way, against Macron and his government, but also specifically the police. I wonder uh, if you see these movements as associated with the left, and if so, how? Um, hmm. Yes and no. Um, I guess it's like there's two perspectives on this, right? It's there's the kind of like you want to look at this from a leftist point of view or as an academician or whatever and kind of say, well, yes, this has the premises of being like a leftist movement, right? You have um, the questioning of institutions, of like the repercussion of, of social dynamics that are unequal. You have like oppression. Um, so you have a lot of these themes that emerge and that are very much like kind of a left field playing territory normally. But then you go into the protests and you talk to people And they don't feel that way a lot of the time. They're like a lot of people in these protests are far right, you know, like uh, kind of Marine Le Pen, Front National kind of vibe. Um, I think in the kind of police brutality uprisings, um, in the riots, like that was, I think, even something different. It's just like anti institution. Um, so, like, do you want to make that a leftist thing? But is it, you know, I mean, you ask the people and they, they're like, no, I'm not, I'm on the political spectrum. I don't care about that. Like, I just care about giving back some of the violence that I'm getting, you know. Um, so in that sense, I, I don't know that it's a left. I, and I think there's a temptation to recuperate that as a left wing issue. And that even that's becoming kind of like a toxic thing because... Mediatically, it's not playing out well at all for the left when they speak on like police violence issues in the context of the riots, right? So it's becoming this like horrible like state of, of expression where like the left can't even reappropriate these things because they get just like, oh my god, you're for the rioters, you're for like anarchy, like you don't stand for anything and you're nihilists. It's like they say that you're for the right, like the right wing, say that you're right wing. No, no. They say, like, if you support this, you're, you just don't believe in anything. Yeah. You, you just believe in violence. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you don't say anything, then you let the reappropriation happen on the right, which also happens, right? Uh, whether it's for the protests by saying, like, no, we're going to do, like, socialism, but for the French. 
or like flip the argument on its side for the emerging of the riots right and and like more popular like neighborhoods it's like the rhetoric from the from the right becomes like this like unsavaged you know portion of france and like we need the law we need the order just like how do you respond to that right now it's very unclear in the french left how you should respond to that because even when there's tentatives for reappropriation right now politically it's not working in the popular opinion do you think there's a link between that like that difficulty of like the left and right ambiguity of identity of of the movement and why nothing was achieved even though this movement seemed to be like organized to a larger extent than like gilets jaunes or, or other things Probably to an extent, yeah. Uh, just because going back to like the idea around tools, right, that are presented uh, in the context of striking, um, if you present the idea that you need to block the economic apparatus for like five days, uh, maybe the people who are identifying as like right wing in these movements aren't. They don't like that. You know, like that's not what they stand for. Um, so in that sense, maybe it blocks some potentiality of action. Um, yeah. Do you think it? Do you think it blocks the way that the left can can lead or organize the the movement in some way? Because you're talking about the the frustration of of not wanting it to get appropriated by the right, but also like the, the left not being able to like fully relate to what's going on because the ambiguity of of the activity itself. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think again, yeah, like put like, put this way, yes. And this is where like you know, for all that I hate this guy, like Macron politically really like made a genius move right by coming and being like I'm not right I'm not left everything that's basically outside of me is outside of the acceptable political spectrum of la république and so if you're in these riots whether you're left or right it doesn't matter is the same as violence as disorder and like here I am and I am order the problem is like what he's not seeing like just like this far down the line right is like a centimeter down the line is like This is the same rhetoric that, like, the far right's been using for, I don't know, decades. So, like, as soon as you go, man, power vacuum, and, like, they're all here about law and order, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, the left is going to be complicated. Thanks. Yeah. organization you're working with PUID. So that's the working the Parti Ouvrier Indépendant Democratic. The Independent and Democratic yes. Working Class Party. Okay. What did you think in general of the protests? The so, pension I, protests and also the, the protests after against the police? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a very deep movement. Mm-hmm. against the, the politics of Macron. Mm-hmm. 70, 75% of their, their population yes. yeah. was against. against really? This, this, really? But there was were 25% for? It was very deep. Um, 13, 13, uh, 13. <laughs> manifestations, uh-huh. you know, in, in, uh, in all the France. Yeah. But why is what not concluding positively? Why? Mm-hmm. But the, the question is, was um, 
The question which was posed was that of the general strike against the government, so that it would fail. But you think that there could have been a general strike? You think it was close? Yes, it was almost at that point. It was very close, but the union leadership didn't want a general strike. So it was the fault of the unions that it didn't happen? This is always the problem. The unions got to a certain point, but once they got to a point at which the general strike was possible, the union leadership got scared. They retreated. However, Macron still couldn't pass his reform through the National Assembly, the parliament. It wasn't, it wasn't Not by the normal democratic process. He used the tools of the old de Gaulle constitution, so it was possible against the parliament to pass the law. When it's not possible, it's, it's, it's possible. Right. <laughs> when it's possible, it's, it's always possible. And uh, he decided against the parliament that the reform was possible. It was fundamentally a case of force against democracy. So of course the movement could go no further, but the political capacity, the citizens' reflection, we were strong, if you will. We had a large majority and the government didn't recognize us. So this government is not our government. This is the conclusion. Now, yes, the movement has subsided, but it remains on people's minds, you see. And who knows, maybe tomorrow it can start again, based on any number of questions. Because the question now is the high cost of living. Everything is complicated. Everything's going downhill with the government. It's a mess. It's total anarchy. You mean it's done for now, but the memory remains? Exactly, yes. Because there's a very large force which has been manifesting for a long time now. There has never been such a force in the streets, you see. Do you mean it was a failure that the manifestations didn't accomplish anything besides a memory? On top of that, there was a lot of repression against the protests. Macron responded with repression, not with discussion, of course, since he was in the minority. So he struck hard, the youth in particular. Because the danger was that all of the social, political, and also ecological demands come together. Meaning the youth, the workers, and the middle classes come together in what we would call a pre-revolutionary moment. Do you think the 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 protest, le manif, mm -hmm. was it gauchiste? Hmm? Was it was it of the left? Was it the left that was protesting? No, it was the people, everyone. That's what was extraordinary. It's really the movement of the population against the leader, against its own government. A government which was elected, but with very few votes, even fewer than the last time he was elected. So for us, this is of course, is a legal government, but in an ultra-minority. There was no success to the protests? No, because it was the reform that they opposed. That was the heart of it. What about the later protests against the police? We resisted. We're at the stage of resistance again, you see. 
And there's a potential to be sure, but one which we struggle to assess or judge, because until people are in the streets, we don't know. We don't know everything. In France, we are often at the cusp of revolution, but they are not always victorious, obviously. We never get there, <laughs> never quite get there. The question of revolution is not only the revolution or the movement in itself, it's also the leadership. Where are we going? What's the program? Etc. We need to offer something, something serious. A framework which accounts for the spontaneous character of the movement, but which also gives it its intelligence. Which is why we need an independent and democratic workers' party. This is the party we're building, which is very broad, open to all political tendencies which claim to be the workers' movement in France. That's the work we're doing. You say that there was no general strike because the union leadership did not serve this leadership rule. Do you think it's the unions which need to direct the working class? Or do you think it's the party? Is it the unions or the party? <laughs> it depends. The unions have a certain role to play, a limited one, but a role nonetheless. It needs to lead the workers in the defense of their immediate everyday interests. And the pension reform protests were an immediate demand for the defense of the working class. The unions followed the wave of the movement until at a certain point they said, oh la la, we need to be careful, where are we going? And of course the question was raised of a general strike, a new government and so on, all of which has a pre-revolutionary character. Would it be possible for a union to organize a general strike today? Yes, because in 1968, but I meant today, is it still possible? Yes, because the mechanism remains the same. The capitalists exploit workers in different forms, but by way of the same fundamental laws. It's simply that the capitalist situation has changed in the past 20, 30, 40 years. It has become an essentially financial capitalism, much more than industrial. Speculation plays a huge role. Profits from armaments have become massive in the national military budget. This is where the interest in wars for capitalism comes from. Capitalism produces wars. It does so for its own profit, its own economy. And so it becomes a completely parasitic economy in capitalism. So we need to deal with this. And at a certain point it stops working then it becomes necessary to repress everything. The only answer is repression. Hello, merci. This has been a production of the Platypus Affiliated Society, featuring original tracks by Thomas, 
Village. Platypus is an international membership-based organization that hosts reading groups, public fora, research, and journalism focused on problems and tasks inherited from the old, new, and post-political left for the possibilities of emancipatory politics today. Platypus also publishes articles by thinkers and activists on the left in the monthly publication The Platypus Review. To contact, learn more about Platypus, or to access the entire archive of Platypus reviews and panel recordings, please visit us online at platypus1917.org. That's the word platypus, followed by the numerals 1917.org. Bye! Thank you.